Hi, I'm Lippy. And I'm Grumpy. Together we're Lippy and Grumpy Do Podcasting. In this episode, more sea level nonsense, Wayfest, villains and icebergs. Now, Lippy. Hello. I said I wasn't going to say any more about sea level. You did. Unfortunately, I found a posting today that got me a little bit annoyed. Oh, yes? Yes. So it's somebody who goes by the name of Rudy Mustang. Mm. And he's put, can't believe Leonardo DiCaprio yelled, I'm on top of the world from the Titanic. A ship that was at sea, at sea level, the scientifically lowest altitude in the world. He was nowhere near the top. He was literally at the bottom. What a stupid idiot. Well... You're partially right, but before you start calling people stupid idiot, I would just double check, mm. really, because although he's not at the top of the world, he's not on top of Everest, it's not the bottom either, because there are places that are below sea level, and as we discussed last week and the week before, sea level is not a constant, it's all over the place. And actually, nobody can physically be on top of the world, because that would mean being outside of the world to be on top of it not sure about that oh yeah because the world is contained in the earth isn't it yes but if you're With on top of everest we... you're at the highest point of land well it depends on what you mean by on top of the world also on top of the world is a is a phrase relating to a yeah. feeling Oh, absolutely, yes. So he feels like he's on... I understand he maybe should have said, I feel like I'm on top of the world. I think Rudy Mustang's a bit of an idiot. Uh, Well, I do too, because there are (laughs) many places that are lower. And you take the... Oh, there's a trench, isn't there? I can never remember the name of it. Laurentian Mm. Trench, which is the deepest place on Earth. And actually, you would be lower standing on a beach... Than you would on a boat. Yes, you would. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. But then because of the oddity of sea level, you could actually be higher. Oh, yeah. It depends, doesn't it? And there's a bit more to this. Oh, is there? There is. The line is not, I'm on top of the world. The line is, I'm the king of the world. Oh, Rudy. I yeah. really. This, that is one of those posts. That I would absolutely love to just sit and read through all the comments. I might do that. I only found that very late this afternoon. Yeah, because I love reading the drama. Well, I... I'm surprised he hadn't deleted it. Well, maybe it has. It was a screenshot, so... Uh, okay. Maybe maybe it has gone. Mm. Um, I will try and dig it out just for a bit of amusement. You have to be careful, don't you, when calling someone a stupid idiot? Well, it does get the alarm bells going. Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess mine going anyway. Uh, but there are a number of film lines that are very common sayings that were never said. Yes. Um, Beat me up, Scotty, for example, yeah. was never said in the Star Trek. Mm. Certainly not in the series, whether it was in the films, probably not. Uh, you Dirty Rat, which was from a film that I now can't remember the name of, uh, with James Cagney, and it was a war film. Never say that. Casablanca. Play it again, Sam. Never said that. It was Which play it for me, Sam. One. Play it again. It is, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's amazing how many of these get twisted and yeah. accepted as correct when they're not. Yeah. So, yes, if you've got any misquotes from films, let's say, then um, please drop us a line. Do it. 
do it. Yeah. That's, <laughs> do it. that's <laughs> not that a quote. <laughs> that is a line from Starsky and Hutchfield. More than one line as well. So, Wife of Grumpy and I had a very splendid weekend at Wayfest. Uh, we were joined by Lippy and Duck Boy for Friday. Yes. Uh, which was, it was interesting because the Christians were playing. I really like the Christians. We've seen them a number of times, but they just seemed a little bit off. Lacking bit enthusiasm. Off yeah, I don't know what it was. Um, and then we stayed to watch Delamitri, who was, wasn't, wouldn't be a band I would go and see. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Go and see them. I mean, they were they were musically very good, and actually, the guitar player, the lead guitarist, who was dressed like somebody from Men in Black, yeah, he was brilliant. And where we were, you could hear him mm. really clearly, and I thought he was brilliant. He was very good, yes, really good. And the the riffs he was coming out with were were quite Pretty something spectacular, yeah. Uh, but again, it's one of those events where actually the bands that you've never heard of are the ones that you go, wow, they were fantastic. Yes. Uh, absolutely brilliant. Um, we were we were talking about 10cc yesterday because they finished off the event on Sunday. And I thought they were brilliant. My wife and grandma said, oh, there wasn't much audience participation. Um, and we'd seen them two or three years earlier when there was loads of it. I said, yeah, but they had half an hour longer first time round because oh, Sunday okay. is, is half past 10 finish. They lose half an hour. Mm. So there was a lot of storytelling about the names of albums and they had more the time. recording process. Yes, because they had more time, which they mm. quite rightly dropped out of that and played more music, yes. which is, you know, I'd much prefer that. But well, that's the bit you're paying for, isn't it? It's the yeah, music, absolutely. really. Yeah. So. yeah. so we've bought tickets for next year. Uh, and we're no coming idea who's for going. The whole weekend. The whole weekend, which will be great. Yes. And uh, I went to the acoustic stage, which is in one of the little huts. And that was great. There were some really good, talented musicians on there that you'd never heard of. Mm. And it was it's well worth doing. I should do more of that next year as well. Cause that was just... I do like a bit of acoustic music. Yeah, and the, the talent of these people is just it's incredible. And you get a seat, which is very useful. So there's no messing around oh, with chairs. Yes. You, get, you get a seat. That is good. Do you know which bit I'm looking forward to? Food. And the cocktails. Yeah. Both equally excellent. The food was superb. Oh, uh, honestly. We, we normally only eat once uh, and pay to eat once and take food. And because of a shopping, um, well, lack of shopping, let's put it that way, <laughs> there was no food in the van apart from some wraps and a banana. So we eat et, eated we ate eated. we eated it all we eated we eated and we eated at lots of different establishments which was quite mm. nice and did you ever brilliant. end up at bohemian rhapsody no and the reason for that was the only vegan thing they had we evolved cauliflower i'm not oh, i find yeah. cauliflower a bit cauliflower and cabbage which is brilliant for you but it just it plays havoc with me yeah so that was but that was a good one. I had a lovely wrap from that. That was good. And next door to that, which was uh, like something a curry. saffron, yeah, yeah, that and one that looked was... amazing. But what happened on the Friday, uh, Saturday rather, is that everybody decided to go and eat at six o'clock. Oh and, no! And they they were they were desperately trying to cook rice and running out of potatoes and all sorts. I mean, all the vans, not just um, yes. not just that one. Because on the Friday. Them, when I was queuing for the Bohemian Rhapsody, mm. and I'm going to keep saying the full name because it's such because a good name. It was brilliant. I, a lady walked past going, that's atrocious. The jacket potato van has run out of jacket potatoes. <laughs> 
on the Friday as well, on yeah. the first day. Well, the thing is that Friday's been different. They originally was only two or three bands, so they would start at six. And now it's virtually a full day. Mm. And it's a lot quieter. I mean, we sat down and had a uh, Aperol spritz. And that's the last time those chairs were free. Yes. Yes, there was somebody in them for the rest of the weekend. Mm. So I think Friday's a bit of an oddity. Uh, they have jacket potatoes the next day, so we have one for lunch, and it was very nice. Ooh, very nice, good. very healthy. Mm. Yes. Yeah, so all all in all, very, very good and, and most enjoyable. The other bit I'm looking forward to is getting an even better score on the axe throwing. Yes, <laughs> Yes, you did quite well at that. I you? did. It could have ended in disaster. Uh, well, I suspected it would Because there, I had a pint of wine at that point in my hand. Yes, you hadn't consumed it though. No, I hadn't. I had a couple of sips. And then, yeah, I actually really enjoyed myself. It's weird how satisfying it is to throw a very sharp object at a bit of wood. Yes, yes, indeed. Mm. Um, just feels wrong to me. <laughs> having, having done my knife skill scout badge. Oh, yes. Uh, back in the 70s, throwing axes was a definite no-no. <laughs> anyway, you wanted to talk about the Apple security breach. Yes. Or potential. Potential. Oh, is it not definite? No. Then? No. So what's happened, I saw it on LinkedIn earlier today, actually, and it's been all across the news and stuff. So what has happened is Apple have identified a potential security breach okay. in iPhone's from iPhone 6S and below, so anything above iPhone 6 is fine. It hasn't got the issue. Certain Apple Watches, certain iPads, and certain Macs running an older software. Okay, yeah. So they've released new software. There's, they've got That's why they've released that there is a potential security breach so that you download this new software. Also, I think I saw on Twitter as well, Starling Bank have been contacting customers about the bre- about the potential breach. Okay. Um, just to like as an extra form to be like, please download the new Apple thing. We don't want you to lose any bank details or any money or anything because of this. Um, which is all really great. And then on the news article I was watching, it was like there have been zero breaches. So there's been no reported breaches at okay. all. And I was reading through the comments saying, how great is it that Apple have found this and released it and not worried about how it could be detrimental to their company and whatnot? I have a very different opinion. Okay. People that have had old Apple products and not kept up buying the brand new ones will know that as time goes on and you download the new software, your phone basically goes to poop. It can't cope with the new software and it basically gets to the point where you physically have to buy a new phone because it doesn't work anymore. Yeah. So it's slightly suspicious that it's only 6S and below, which are the ones that won't be able to cope with the new software update. So in my mind, is this like a little scam to make people buy brand new iPhones? So is the fix a new, completely new version of the operating system? It's or is a patch on what you'd have already? It's a patch. It's like 15.6 or something like that okay. is the new one. New software. Okay, so it'll be a minimal amount of change. To, yeah. Because to roll that out in a short space of time mm. means that you are only changing the bare minimum that you need yeah. to get away with. And that could be one line of code. However, though, as an older Apple user previously... I would stop downloading the newest software so that my phone would continue to work. So yes. I wouldn't have even downloaded the 15 yet. I would have yeah. stayed on a lower one so that my phone would work appropriately. 
Because as soon yes. as you start downloading the bigger ones, your battery dies within like two hours. Well, didn't they fess up to that? that yeah, I know, but that's what I mean. Was... So is that not this again? Well, who knows? Yeah, I mean, you know my opinions on Apple products. I just think Apple are sneaky, sneaky. They're very sneaky about how they do things sometimes. And I feel like the fact that there's been zero breaches and they found this issue, slightly suspicious to me. Uh, well, what it means is that they've found it and nobody else has, which is the ideal scenario. Rather than the other way around, where all of a sudden uh, people have lost data or lost money, more importantly. Mm. And they just go, ooh, we just found a bug in our software. And then it isn't, by then, it will be out in the, uh, the nefarious people that will make use of that will be aware of it and be making use of it. But how is it only a bug for iPhone 6S and below? Because it could be using a, a modular code that's no longer used. After the cutoff, it could be completely new code base. Uh, remember that a lot of software is written using third-party software, if you see what I mean. Mm. So, for example, if you wanted to connect to uh, a, a web server and pull down some data from your phone, you would probably use a library to do that. You wouldn't rewrite the code to do that because somebody yeah. else has done that. And there's been, there's been a number of them over the years, and particularly around grabbing data from other places where there's there's just a flaw in there which you if you take advantage of so, then you've got other access so can so the phones so my the bit that confuses me is that surely all the apple all the iphones have all the same software if you're keeping up to date with your software no not necessarily so they can be made with a base of software so different. when you move from one model to another one yeah. So when you release a new iPhone, generally the process is faster. You might have a bit more memory. So you would take advantage of that as a software developer. So as a company that is enhancing their products all the time, you would make use of maybe new libraries or, you know, if they're writing their own libraries, for example, mm-hmm. then you might get slightly smoother fonts, for example, which just takes a little bit more processing power that isn't really available on once before. So oh, okay. possibly new phone. And I think... The uh, the desktop Max, they give them names. There was El Capitan and I think there's yeah, Cheetah. Yeah. And, so yeah, those yeah. are all separate code bases. And oh, they okay. may be evolved from the previous one, well, but they are different releases. Sense. So it's a bit like Windows. So you've got Windows 7, 8, 10, Vista, NT. You've got all of these different versions. 11, they, which you shouldn't download. Well, apparently my laptop, which is not very old, won't run it. So... <laughs> Some, something about the security in the hardware. I, oh, I don't okay. know. So. But well, I take your point that maybe it is a bit of a, a, bit of a sales generating, but I, I suspect not because that would have that would have caused a lot of concern at Apple if you know if you can get admin access to a device, then you're in a lot of trouble. Basically, mm, true, very trouble. true. Yes, but it would be interesting to see how if they're if there's a way to see if their sales of new iPhones yeah. or well, trade-ins it, dramatically yeah. increase after this as well. Almost certainly there will be a, an upward tick. Mm. Um, not necessarily a big blip, but um, it will make some people buy new ones. But I think the message here is that update when you can. And I know we've had Windows updates in the past that have caused absolute misery, but generally they're okay now. And yeah. certainly the security ones 
and you know, the same goes for antivirus software and, and stuff like that. So, yes, very important to keep those up to date. Now, we had a discussion here at Grumpy Towers, and I think it was triggered by something that was on television about why do we have 999 as a number for ambulances and emergency services, which you won't remember a dial phone, but was actually a bit of a nightmare to dial because yeah, you've got actually, to put your yeah. finger and go all the way around and all the I way back I do know again. a dial phone, actually, because you have one in your living room. Yes, but we don't dial it very often. Um, and uh, My understanding was is because you could find zero easily, you, then nine is next to it. Yes. I, you could find one easily, and I would have thought one, one, one would have been a lot easier to dial than 999. But it turns out there is a reason for this. And it's um, it's a very, very old reason. Um, in 1927, so we are going back a bit, mm-hmm. that's nearly 100 years actually, yeah. then you would dial zero, which would give you the operator, and then you would ask for police, fire and ambulance. Um, presumably in 1927, you'd only have to give your general location and somebody would be out because there weren't that many phones in houses, so yes. it's not, not very congested. So they decided to bypass the operator as the number of calls increased. So the general post office, as it was known then, or GPO, uh, proposed a three-digit number. They wanted one that you could find if it was in thick smoke, if there was a fire, which we discussed. Uh, Could be found by touch. So they tried 111, which is the most obvious one, as we've just said. But unfortunately, because of the telephone system at the time, which was a bit flaky... We think it's flaky now, but it was really flaky yeah. back then. So it's all mechanical. There's no electronics in it whatsoever. It's all moving parts and things like that. And cables bagged into one another, just rubbing you know, in the wind or something in the switch gear at the exchange could cause 111 to be dialed. So they would have a lot of missed dials because essentially it's counting pulses down the line to work yes. out what the number is. So they settled on nine 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 for the uh, for that very reason that it was the, the least likely to have a phantom accidental call. yeah well not so much accidental but just a phantom one that is sort of generated within the, the exchange as it were so that was launched in nineteen thirty seven and it is the world's oldest emergency call service interesting so originally nine 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 would turn a red lamp on and a klaxon would siren. Um, that uh, there was an emergency call coming in, so it wouldn't go direct to the police station or the fire station. Well, it goes to a call centre now, doesn't it, basically? like a Yes, it does. Yeah. Handling centre. Yeah, yeah, and those television programmes that cover that, they're amazing oh, because they're, they're dispatching a, an ambulance, which mm. I know at the moment has, um, has been a bit on the slow side. Generally, they're dispatching it and giving people advice whilst the ambulance is on the way. And yeah. Certainly the experience I've had with my mum, they've been phenomenally quick. Mm. Yeah, they're also, yeah, they're very good at giving advice as well. Yes. I think they're all medically trained or something. They're normally very good at talking you through what you should be doing if you can be helping. Now, I came across uh, an interesting scam from the 1990s, and we both love a good scam. I love a good scam. Or a hustle. And I've got, I think I've got another one coming up a bit later as well. And this is a a Nigerian scammer who we tend to think as being email based. But this chap, Emmanuel Dewood, and I hope I pronounced his surname correctly, managed to sell a fake airport to a Brazilian bank. <laughs> what? Which is just stunning. Utterly stunning. So that he actually the best thing I think I've ever heard. Yeah, I mean, previously he was the director of the Union Bank of Nigeria. 
So he had lots of knowledge about documentation and processes that uh, that would go on. So he impersonated a chap called Paul Ogwama, who was the governor of the Central Bank of Nigeria. And he had a number of accomplices. So he had a good, a good tight crew, as I think they would say mm. in, the, in, in hustly programs. So he pitched the idea to a chap called Nelson Sakaguchi, who was the director of the Brazilian bank. I have picked one with some really easy to pronounce surnames. Oh, yes. So yeah. I hope I'm not offending anyone with this. And, um, and anyway, so one of the lines in Hustle is you can never con an honest man. So they sweeten the deal for Nelson by informing him he should get uh, a $10 million commission out of the deal, which is going to taint your, um, the way that you view it slightly. Yes, definitely. Anyway, between 95 and 98, uh, Nelson paid the fraudsters $191 million in cash and then another $51 million in the form of outstanding interest. So they got away with a lot, an awful lot. And he only got $10 million out of that. Nobody didn't get anything. He, he was on a promise of $10 million once the deal was completed. Oh, but of course, the deal's in process. Money's yeah. coming out of the bank to pay for this so-called airport. And, and then nothing's um, there. Yeah. And it wasn't until 2004 that Emmanuel and his, um, his crew uh, were taken to court. <laughs> I very, thought I hope they got co- away with it, to be honest with you. Yes, I guess so. But it, it, you are, you know, you're taking money out of a country's bank. It's not, I, mm. it's not ideal. True, true. If it was a wealthy billionaire that hadn't done some nice things, then maybe. Well, let's not judge. (laughs) (laughs) A couple of weeks ago, we had a map on there with the Earth all squidged up as it was when it was earlier formed. So I think this is from the same people. This is visualcapitalist.com. And this is a map where it translates the name of the country into its meaning. So we go from the sublime to the ridiculous. So sublime or ridiculous, depending on which end of the scale you're looking at. Finland, the literal translation of Finland is land. So not many points for imagination there. No. Wales, interestingly, is known as land of the foreigners. Wales? Wales. Now, I don't know whether that's because when the Saxons and the Vikings came over, they tended to push the English into Wales. So that's why they're called foreigners. I don't know. It's very odd. Spain, Mm. land of many rabbits. (laughs) Which I quite like. Do you see many rabbits in Spain? Um, Well, paella, which is quite a common dish in Spain. Yeah. The meat is normally rabbit. It's not chicken. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. So they have had a lot. Let's put it that way. Whether they've still got them or not, I don't know. Mm. Now, South Africa is... uh, Sorry, not South Africa. South America is an absolute dream of fantastic names. So Brazil is red like an ember. Argentina, land beside the Silvery River. That's fancy. That is fancy, isn't it? Yeah. Really very, very fancy. Land beside the Silver... What's the Silvery River, then? I don't know. It's a good question. A little bit of research for you for next week. Uh, not great research. <laughs> well, I think I'd look it up. It's not difficult. True, true. Some of these are actually quite funny. They are very, very strange, aren't they? Also, like, some of them, like Russia, Land of the Russ. Yes. Odd. 
Canada, the village. The village, yeah, I know. That's, that's, the village of that's, what? I like in the navel of the moon. Which one's that? That is Mexico. Oh, I didn't spot that one. I would like to know why, what they actually mean, though. Oh, who knows? Uh, the thing is, it's a bit like um, names of stars and tribes, isn't it? It's something that's mm. applicable to a very small area. Yes. Now, some of the islands in the Pacific are quite interesting. You've got um, eight standing together. I go to the beach. Frizzy-haired men, which is Papua <laughs> New Guinea. <laughs> Brilliant. Does that mean you can't live there if you don't have frizzy hair? I don't know. Or, or a man. So... If you don't have frizzy hair and you're a woman, you're out. You're right. uh, the last one, which I think is brilliant, is Cameroon, which is River of Prawns. <laughs> brilliant. I that love that. Good. That's that's really good. That is very, very good. So I have another hustle story. And this is an even older one, actually. This is back in the 1800s, which was a, a period... Late 1800s, early 1900s. Lots of, as they say, colourful ne'er-do-wells. Lots in America and lots in the UK. Interesting. Now, this chap, George Leslie, had a double life. So, by day, he was a distinguished architect architect who hobnobbed with New York City's elite. By night, he was history's most prolific bank robbers. Now, again, a bit like the gentleman we spoke about earlier, he was designing banks. So there's a, there's a thread here, is that you learn something in your day job, and then as your side project, you use that knowledge to um, amass a fortune. Steal something. This is not career advice, please. So his exploits accounted for 80% of all the bank robberies in the US during between 1869 and 1878. Wow. He amassed a total of $7 million in that. Wow. 1800s equivalent of 200 million in today's money oh my god yeah so that's a lot of money to substantial. steal substantial yeah and his the last bank heist that he did uh is still the largest in u.s history when he adjusts for inflation at 81 million dollars so over half of that oh no just under yeah half but, of no that just under half one. of that in one go he just wow. got got better and better impressive yeah, interesting. And it's a it's a good story. It's a very long story, as you can imagine, because it's a little bit softly, softly, slowly monkey with him. Mm. Um, well, that's the way to do it, isn't it? If you're going to rob a bank, do like one and then leave it like ages and then do another one. Well, it is. Or you do it, you know, big burst, do, do it all in one go. And unfortunately, you tend to get greedier and then that's when you get caught. Mm. So interesting story. Don't get greedy when you're robbing banks. <laughs> yes, indeed. Now, there is a twist to that $81 million. Mm. He didn't actually do that. He didn't do that job. His gang did it. He had disappeared by this time, and he'd been shot. And his his corpse was found some months earlier. Dramatic. Yes, indeed. And they suspect it was one of his accomplices, Mm. but um, it was never proven. So uh, he was buried in an unmarked grave. Grizzly End at the age of thirty six, so God. didn't really get much chance to uh, to spend, spend his ill gotten gains. No, interesting when you read books on what we would now call social engineering. So sometimes hacking isn't about sitting at a keyboard typing passwords until your fingers fall off. 
Sometimes it's about talking to people and pulling little bits of information, which is why when you see on Facebook, you'll have there'll be a quiz about your favorite pet's name or your first car. This I never do those because that's a way of people gaining information from individuals because that's a security question. What was your oh. first car, for example? So you have to be really careful with this stuff. And people will very painstakingly piece together bits of information to gain access to something. And there's a gentleman called Kevin Nittuck who was uh, arrested for computer crimes. And uh, he's written a series of books, and one of them talks about how of cases where people have socially engineered themselves into into a company and they've walked away with blueprints and all sorts of things and one of the common ones is getting into somebody's conference room plugging your laptop into the network Mm. connection and then you're on the internal network and all sorts of stuff like that very interesting field because of the way it deals with people's interactions very very good i have a i have another quote Do you? Yes. So the elephant in the room, which is something Mm. that we use quite a bit. And this is uh, Alistair Beckett King. Incredible that elephant, the elephant in the room means the thing no one is talking about. If I saw an elephant in a room, I would bring it up almost immediately. Isn't that the point of the quote? No, because no, the thing is, an elephant in the room is something that everybody is thinking about or wants to discuss, but nobody's discussing. Yeah. Because it, but actually, if you walked into a room and there was an elephant there, you'd probably go, why is there an elephant there? So it's an odd quote. It's one of those odd quotes. I thought it was quite funny. You obviously don't. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> right, moving on. What's your top tip for this week, then? <laughs> My top tip happened at the weekend. On Friday, you were with me. Well, you weren't with me when it happened, but you, you ah. witnessed the happening. Oh, did I? Afterwards, yeah. Oh. So... You're at a festival or somewhere where the bar is quite busy. Yeah? Yes. Don't just get a glass of wine. Get a pint. Yes. That is my top tip. Spoken like the old soak you are. It was a great idea because one, it meant I could have a reusable cup. True. I was thinking about the planet. Very good. Two, I had a pint of wine. (laughs) Well, and it's only one trip to the bar, which has yes. got to be a lot better than two trips. Yes. And I had a lot of people stop me asking me what my drink was, because obviously it was I had rosé, so it was like a lovely mm. pink colour. And people were like, oh, what is that? And I was like, it's a pint of rosé. <laughs> Did they then take a very wide path around yeah, you? Yeah, they were all like, yeah. oh, interesting. <laughs> I've got a fact for the week for this week. Oh, and it's yeah. about the Titanic, which makes it sound like we actually planned this episode it really does not the case whatsoever (laughs) so the iceberg that sank the titanic was probably obviously we don't really know more than two miles wide and a hundred feet tall when it formed says the smithsonian magazine so you know good source but it's remarkable how close the infamous collision came to not happening. After three years adrift the icy mass had floated into warmer water and was shrinking by the hour It had one week to live, two at the most. If the Titanic had departed just days later, it would have safely completed its maiden voyage. That's mad. It is, isn't it? Just, it's fate. It's fate. Presumably, though, if it had been an hour later, if it's moving, then it may have missed it completely. But the fact that it wouldn't be there within a couple of days, or not 
big enough to do any damage is really mm. quite quite interesting. Gosh. The Titanic fascinates me slightly. The whole turn of events, there were so many things that had to happen for for that to happen and they all well, happened. Yeah, most things are like that. But there's a whole load of conspiracy theories as well. There's one that the boat was actually on fire when it left. Uh which was apparently was not uncommon. Um, in terms of yeah, well I mean they've got you know, it's not a diesel powered boat, it's coal powered. Yes, so but there's it, massive furnace. Surely it would have burned down before it even well, got anywhere near the iceberg. Well that's well, I think it was quite common for them to leave port with the coal store smouldering. Mm. That would Whether make sense, because they need a, a bigger to get away. Well, no, it's just it's the way oh. it was. Uh, I'm not an expert in this, but I have seen a couple of programs. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm mashing facts together from different places, which could like be it, complete, like complete nonsense. That's it for this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can help spread Lippy and Grumpy's view on life by leaving a review on your favourite podcast platform. If you're not sure how to leave a review, or if you download from Spotify, there's some help at lippyandgrumpy.uk slash review. And if you would like to get in touch, email podcast at lippyandgrumpy.uk. So it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from him. Goodbye. Goodbye.